Welcome to episode 61 of the Walking Closer podcast. This episode is titled, The Most Important Thing. I want to talk a little bit about what I truly believe is the most important thing in life, especially as a Christian, as someone who claims to be a follower of Jesus. And, you know... I don't come to the table as an expert in really anything. Um, I'd probably consider the classic jack of all trades and the master of none. It's uh, actually quite irritating at times. Um, you know, <laughs> I swear I've never been in first place on anything, always in second place, never win the big championship, never, never have been on the team that has won the big championship. You know, I'll give you a run for your money, no matter what it is. Uh, but at the end of the day, yeah, just never coming first. You always, always went out. I, even one of my youngest daughters, she, um, you know, she likes to play card games and I swear, like, <laughs> I can, I can never win. I can never beat her. That's just a story of my life. But my point is, is I, don't, I don't come to the table as an expert. I come to the table as someone who is on a journey, someone who is learning as I go. Um, you know, I, I, and quite honestly, in regards to what I bring to the table, in comparison to lots of other people, I don't bring a whole lot. Right, I, I I don't bring a whole lot to the table. Um, I love to learn. I love to do research. I love to listening to listen to other people's perspectives and gain new perspective. Um, I am very intentional about gaining understanding, and uh, there's always something else to learn. That's my my approach, my perspective. There's always something else around the corner that I haven't considered. There's always more to what's going on than what I see, you know. And that's my my approach. And I and I like to investigate those things. I like to consider, find out, figure it out. What is it? What is it that I don't know? What is it that I don't understand? And you know, I've uh, that that's what I bring to the table here. That that's what I have. You know, I I could do research. I could do. Read lots of books, and you know I love listening to people. I love listening to uh, people's understanding of things. I love learning from people in this way, and and I can do all of that. I I can do all the research and figure out all those things, and then I can turn around and I can create content from that. Um, I, but that's not really not really what I want to do. That's really not what I'm about. Because you know, I what I like to do is take the that that stuff that I learn. Uh, and compare that up to my own experiences. Because at the end of the day, that's really all I have. And that's really all you have as well. I don't care the amount of degrees and the amount of you know, education uh, that you've gone through. At the end of the day, all that's going to be pitted up against your experiences because that's what you really have. So I have experiences. That's what I have. And I bring to the table my own experiences. And I'm telling you, I have spent years in this Christian stuff trying to get it right. 
spent years thinking that if I did not have the right answers, um, that you know all will be lost. There was no hope for me. It was all about discerning, deciphering, you know, what the right positions were and what the right doctrines were and what's the right theology, what's the right lens through which I need to interpret all of these things, the proper hermeneutic and what what's the right translation to use. And it was simply just all about what's right. The most important thing was having the right answers when it came to this Christian stuff, when it came to the church, when it came to theology, when it came to any of the other things that kind of you know summarize or that are involved in what it means today, what we think it means today to be a Christian. And I think somehow, some way, we, we've kind of got ourselves lost in all of this, and we forgot that this is about following Jesus. And maybe we've created a monster. I don't know. But... All I have is my experiences, and I've spent most of my life trying to figure out what the right answers are, right? Um, and, you know, the, based on the tradition that I was raised in and based on, honestly, the landscape that I, that I see in Christianity across the board, I don't, I don't care the background at all. It seems a bit foggy and confusing, and it can easily be disorienting. Um, and quickly cause someone to become disinterested in it. You know, my experience has been that the most important thing was having the right answers, and those right answers were supposed to come from the Bible. And there's this phrase that's commonly used in circles called Sola Scriptura, and it's the idea that all authority is in the Bible, right? And you go to the Bible to get the answers for, for everything. And and I tell you, I've 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 experienced what that does. I've experienced. I've seen. We could see. You anybody can see the results of that. And my question is, how's that working? How's that working for us? Um, and, and maybe by me saying that, it's causing a bit of tension to rise up within you. And I'm challenging you to sit in that tension just for for a moment and not read more into what I am what what I'm saying. The question is, how's that working for us, right? It's almost like as if everyone simply chooses what they believe is correct, and it's your. You go to the Bible, and and you come away with it with your with your own interpretation, um, and that's what we have. What we have is a bunch of people, a bunch of groups of people, who have formed themselves around what they believe the Bible says, and everybody seems to think that it says something different. And to those people who will acknowledge that, you know, and you ask them, "What about this? How's that working for you?" Well, then they will simply say, state that everybody else is wrong because they're looking at it through the wrong lens, or they're using the different, uh, the wrong set of rules uh, to interpret this thing, or uh, you know, every. The reason why everybody doesn't see the Bible alike is because they have the wrong approach, you know, the wrong hermeneutic. And my question is, well, where did your hermeneutic come from? You know, my experience is we have a bunch of man-made systems of interpretation that help us come to some conclusions, to, to, to decipher something that's not very clear. When the reality is, I believe that we're missing what's the most important thing. We're missing the obvious, but it doesn't seem so obvious because it's so clouded and it's so foggy uh, because of all of the structures that we've kind of placed around it. 
Um, and this this isn't this isn't a, this 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 is not an anti-church you know, rant. Okay, this is not an anti-Christian rant. This is someone who's on the inside saying, "What are we doing? Like, what's going on with this?" You know, the the landscape does seem very foggy, and it's very confusing, and it can be very disorienting. And I see many people becoming more and more disinterested in it because of what we made of it, you know. And and, and this approach to the to the to, to what's important um, has led us to focusing on, you know, the essentials and then the non-essentials, right? Of some would say like what's Im- what's essential for salvation or what's important, um, and, and then taking all the non-essentials and just. You know, everybody has their own preferences or whatever. Not making those the point of contention, but just focusing on the essentials, and we, so we can have unity in the essentials, and uh, you know, everyone can basically do what they want to do with the non-essentials. And, and while I will agree that that seems like it would have a valid, um, valid point, and that's a valid statement. My question is, who chooses who chooses the essentials, right? And I think that there are. are some essentials that are just plain logical, like if you know you're you're a Christian and you're saying you believe in Jesus, that that's just logical. If you don't believe in Jesus, it's kind of kind of mute as to whether or not you're you're a Christian. Whether you believe Jesus was the Christ, there are some things like that that are logical uh, essentials, right? But at the end of the day, as I see it, there's lots of essentials that are potentially mention that, um, well, people have chosen the cause. They determined that these are the, the essentials. And my question is, well, who chose these essentials, right? And then, and so it's, I think it's a valid question. It's a valid uh, argument to focus on the essentials. I think that there's some validity in all of that to some degree. Um, but who chooses the essentials? And that's a valid question. And I think that there are some valid answers to that as well. Um, you know, and some would say, well, this is where the historical church comes into play. This is where you look to the historical church and you look at to the Christians from years gone that, um, and look at what, what they made a big deal out of, what they focused on, what they believed. And well, depending upon who you are and how you approach this, um, that landscape may not seem much different than the one that we have today. Okay. But I think if you go back far enough, um, and you realize that there was a different approach to things, and uh, they they have uh, it's it's a valid it's a valid statement, right? And I think it is important to look to our history, and but we you don't just look to our history with you know blinders on. You also have to ask questions like, okay, so why did it seem like they were so focused on these things? And oftentimes what you're going to find, especially as you, depending, again, depending upon who, who you listen to, who you read, uh, what you'll find is more information about what not to believe than what to believe. Uh, and as confusing as that may sound as well. And so I think this is a valid point. But my problem with all this, and this is just simply based on my experience, is I haven't seen how any of this has really led to us becoming more loving people. And I think that that's the most important thing. 
In fact, Jesus said the defining characteristics of those who would follow me were, well, how they love one another. In John 13, 34, 35, John records for us these words. And you commandment I give to you, Jesus saying, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, here it is. Here's the defining characteristic of those who follow me. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now, I think it's important for us to look at this word love, because this is the the, the verb form of agape, and that's the love that people, uh, the Greek word that's most oftentimes thrown around, right? Uh, you might hear things like it's considered the highest form of love. It's the noblest kind of devotion. But my question is why? What sets it apart from any other Greek word or Hebrew word that might be used uh, to describe love, to explain love, or interpret it love as love in an English language? What sets it apart? Um, and I think there are a few, a few a few key things here that are important to note and understand about this kind of love. Um, it's considered the highest form of love, but it's a love that's not necessarily initiated by emotion, but by choice. And it doesn't mean that there isn't emotion involved, right? But it's a love that is initiated by choice. In other words, it's of the will, which means that it's intentional. It's a it's a conscious Conscious choice, my, my, my accent just makes it very difficult to pronounce certain words. It's a conscious choice to love. It's, it's about ascribing value and worth to other people that's not based on any conditions other than the fact that they exist. It's, it's that loving unconditionally, knowing that it might cost you something. It's the God kind of love. It's the kind of love that the Bible says is that God is, right? Now, in light of that, okay, and, and, and not to mention the fact that Jesus said, listen, the greatest commandment is what? You know, to love God and to love others. And everything hinges on it. So everything else that you read, everything else that you understand has to go through this filter, right? This lens of loving God and loving loving others. That is the most important thing, all right? So now let's consider all, all of the information we have acquired over the years, all the stuff that the church and Christians have debated, all the, the, the theology and the doctrine and the books and, and all of this stuff um, that the Christian machine, if you will, has spewed out, has put out there for the world. My question is, has all this information alone empowered us to become more Christ-like? Like, has getting it right, quote, right, getting it right caused us to obtain what Jesus said would be the defining characteristic of those who would be his followers? So, I don't Having all the right positions and all the right answers and of all the things that you know, has that alone empowered you to be like Jesus and to love others as God has loved us? Has it empowered you to become love? You know, Paul, Paul sums up this very thing, what it looks like to be children of God. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, he says, be imitators of God as beloved children 
and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. In other words, we are to love others the way Jesus loved us. That's hand in hand with this, what Jesus said, the defining characteristic of those who would be his followers. It's how we love. Now, let's be honest. We know these statements. We know these verses and many others that talk about love. You say you, John says, First John, you say you love God, but you don't love others. <laughs> and if you don't love others, you cannot love God. In fact, I would go even further and to, 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 to say that what John's saying here is that how you love God is how you, well, love others. And you love others, right? Uh, when you love others, you love God and vice versa. But we know this, right? So why is it so easy to dismiss it, to move on, to go beyond it? Why is it so easy for us to focus on other things that we might call weightier, right? We might say, well, there's more in the Bible than just love. Okay. Um, But why is it so easy to dismiss what Jesus said is the most important thing? (laughs) Why is it so easy to overlook it? Why is it so easy for us to go beyond it? And I would say because this kind of love is hard. It's not. It's not easy. It's not easy to love this way. And there are lots of reasons and factors involved in that and, you know, why that might be the case for us. But at the end of the day, loving like this, it's not easy. It's not. Like, so do do an exercise right now, right now, to prove this, okay? I want you to think about the last person that you had an encounter with and it it wasn't fun in fact it it was hurtful it was toxic it just really left a bad taste in your mouth you 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 have some very maybe maybe you have some very strong feelings about this person now because of this event because of this situation and you know, maybe it was a very serious thing, and man, you got you got hurt, and uh, you need to take some time to lick your wounds, as it were. Think about that person. What was that situation? Who who is that person? Put let's bring that person to mind, okay? And right now, in this moment, try and try to ascribe some sense of value and worth to that person. Try and love that person, right? See how that person is worthy of unconditional love. It's not an easy thing to do. It's much easier to debate and argue and fuss and dive into other aspects of uh, what we call theology or Christianity, Right, other, other tenets, other positions, other things that we can discuss. And what we don't realize is that, well, at the core of any of those things is still going to be love. It will. It will. You know, sometimes I wonder if people get tired of me talking about love. I talk about love a lot. 
and not even as much as I wish I would. I know that there are probably people who would prefer at the the church where I I minister might prefer me to deal with some of the you know hot button hot topic issues. Um, let's talk about some of these things, right? Um, but the reality is, I am. I do. Um, when I talk about love. You see, I can say all that I want to say about any particular circumstance, any situation, any hot topic, any hot button issues. I could talk about all of that. But without love, um, it's kind of pointless. It's it's not kind of it is. It's pointless. It it really is worthless. Um it lacks life-giving power, if you will. See, you can have all the right positions, have all of the right doctrines, etc., but without love, it doesn't do any good for you. It does nothing for you. In fact, remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, we can have the gift of tongues and the ability to prophesy. And we can possess, listen, all knowledge and understand all mysteries. <laughs> Think about that. We can have all of the right answers. We can have literally the right position. We could understand how to solve all of the world's problems. We can have all the information that's possible to deal with X, Y, and Z, right? But if we aren't living in love, as Paul goes on to say, and motivated by love, all these things are worthless. They're worthless. They are pointless. You see, it's still about love. And you can have all of these things figured out. But if you don't have the most important thing, if you don't start with the most important thing, if it's not the thing that is fueling this, it's pointless. It's worthless. And in fact, I would say that without love, it doesn't have life-giving power. It still has power, but it's not life-giving. It's destroying. It's toxic. And I know this from experience. It leads nowhere. It leads to all of this confusion, this fogginess, this disorienting reality that we oftentimes call the church or Christianity. And it's part of the reason why, if it's not, it's the main reason why people are becoming more and more disinterested in it. It's not something that is attractive. And you might say, well, it's not meant to be attractive. It's like, yeah, but here's the thing. Love is this thing that leaves people wanting more. It's like the salt, right? You're the salt of the earth. If the, the, the salt loses its saving properties, if it loses those things that makes it valuable, right? Think about what salt does. It's It preserves things. It keeps things from decomposing too fast, right? It uh, holds on, it gives, it holds on to the life that is there. Uh, salt is something that enhances the flavor of things, right? Think about that and what love does. 
love has a tendency of doing the same thing. But salt, salt also, also leaves you wanting more. And uh, so does unconditional love. And so there's a sense in which we should be loving in such a way that people connect the dots between what we're doing and who we are and the one we follow. Love is still the most important thing. It's still all about love, okay? Now, all I'm saying is this, and this is simply based on my experiences. And I've been in this, I mean, I grew up in the, I. You can think or quite possibly objectively have the truth, okay? Quote, unquote, the truth. You can have all of the right positions. You can have all of the right doctrinal statements, okay? But if you don't hold these in love, if love is not the driving force if love is not fueling what you do with these, they are powerless. Love is the thing that empowers them all. Okay, Love, this unconditional love, is the thing that powers them all. You can have the right position on pick the topic, Whatever it is, whatever hot button topic is going on in your area, in your mind, or the thing that you've been dealing with, maybe the people you've been dealing with, and you just know without a doubt that they've got it wrong, okay? Okay. And you can hold the right position, but if you don't see those people through the lens of love, in other words, if you're not ascribing value and worth to these people— that is not based on anything other than the fact that they exist. If you're not loving them and love is not the thing that's empowering, and don't say, well, well, love is what's fueling this because I love the truth. If you do not value human life, people, if you do not ascribe worth to them, just for the simple fact that they exist. And these are people who you supposedly believe are made in the image and likeness of God. I would personally challenge whether or not you actually believe that if love is not the thing that fuels how you handle what you think you know. Love is the thing that empowers it all. Okay, If you love them, that will be the driving force, not only why, but how you utilize the information or the quote-unquote truth that you think that you hold, it will temper how you respond. It will. It will. See, love is what matters the most. You can have all of these positions, but they'll do you no good if you don't, if you don't love. They just don't, and I, I know this from experience. I've spent years and years and years trying to figure out the right answers. It led me, honestly, nowhere. Love is what matters the most. Otherwise, it's really all pointless. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Walking Closer podcast. Um, if you if you liked this episode, if this episode reaches you, I am I am I'm thankful. That's just really all that I hope to accomplish. I I if you are like me and you are just simply tired of 
the lack of love that you see when it comes to discussions, not just around religion, but politics or anything in life, if, if that is you, if you're that person and you know someone who could benefit from hearing this message, help me promote this and share this, okay? Point other people to this. This is extremely important. This is something that has been weighing on me for a very long time, and I think it's time that we begin to address this. Now, I'm only one person, and again, like I said, I don't bring a whole lot to the table. All I bring is my experiences, but if each of us can, if each of us come together and push forward, you know, this type of an agenda, right? This kind of a message um, to help people not just sit in the tension of what they're experiencing, but to love in that tension, um, to, to, to ascribe value and worth to everyone, no matter who they are and where they come from, we will be a better people. And maybe, maybe we can't actually do that thing that Jesus said he wanted us to do. And that is show the world that we're his disciples by how we love one another. And so if this is a message that resonates with you, okay, um, please share it like this, share this, help get this kind of message out. Uh, I think it's extremely important. Um, I think it's extremely important that more and more people begin to hear things like this. And so and even if you're not the liking and the, and, the, and the sharing kind of person, right, when it comes to this kind of content, that's okay. Take this message and verbally speak it, okay? If this is something that speaks life into you, speak this life into other people. Spread this message. Spread this news. This is this is good news, okay? And uh, don't, don't forget to join me next time as we continue to explore Coming Like Jesus from the Inside Out.